Hey, and welcome to Tomorrow. I'm your host, Joshua Topolsky. Today on the podcast, we discuss woodworking, airline tickets, and the Norwegian CIA. I don't want to waste one minute. Let's get right into it. All right, Ryan, we're back. We're better than ever. Uh, We're, you know, almost as good as we've ever been, but we're the best uh, there ever was. And I think that's the important thing to think about right now. (laughs) We are riding high. We're flying low, we're coasting, but we're also full speed ahead. And that to me is how you win. That's just how you win. What are we winning? What aren't we winning? You know what I'm saying? The president's password was MAGA 2020. Well, listen, we're we're hearing reports that the president had a non, had a Twitter account without two-factor and the password of MAGA 2020, which, you know, is his old password was you're fired all one word very good well both of these things are like the i mean i would say if you had to rank if you had to force rank the most guessable trump passwords i think those two would probably be after like password would probably be at the top of the list you know Mm -hmm. it was the third guess by dutch researchers uh well there you have it there you have it (laughs) Uh, I'm currently uh, I'm currently looking for a therapist online, uh, you know, as one does. What's the difference between a psychiatrist and a psychologist? Psychiatrists can give out um, meds. Uh huh. And and what do psychologists do? They just talk. They find what the problem is. What about a therapist slash counselor? That's like a long term person to work out emotional problems that don't rise to the clinical diagnosis level. So if you're like you want to, you know, you just need like kind of a general like I got I'm stressed out about this thing and I want to talk to somebody about it. What do you do? You want talk therapy or a counselor? I've so is that both. a psychologist? Um, no, that's someone who could diagnose a specific problem. So that's a therapist. A therapist or a counselor is what you're. Okay, therapist slash counselor is the. Uh... I honestly have had better success with counselors because they actually engage with what you're saying. Therapists are always playing like some, not no offense therapists, but they're always playing some like a light game where they're trying to get you to say something through strategy. And I can always like feel that it's happening. Like I had one whose whole thing was to be as quiet as possible and let me fill the silence. Yeah, And like, I don't, I like don't need any, I don't need any help doing that. And also I like need feedback. Like I'm not here to learn how to talk about my feelings. I'm very good at that. I am here to bounce things off of somebody and be told whether or not I'm like, making sense right well at any rate we're gonna edit this out but uh maybe or maybe we won't but anyhow no, this is we are in trump's the end of wow. trump's america trump's america this is useful are. information for people i mean here's an interesting question now that everything is like and now that everything is is uh gonna be remote i mean i'm not gonna go see a therapist in person because that would be absurd I, I now have to figure out, like, should I even look for somebody near me if I want to talk to somebody? Or should I just look for somebody? Like, I'm like, oh, well, Manhattan. I'm going to look at Manhattan because that's the hot. That's where all the hot therapists are, right? A lot of people yeah, with a lot of mental illness in Manhattan. hot as shit. Yeah. Anyhow, but, like, does it matter? I don't know. I don't know anymore. I really don't. I want, like, a. I frankly <clears throat> will not be satisfied unless my therapist is, like, a Mandy Patinkin 
type of character. In fact, if Mandy Patinkin could do my therapy, I think that would be my preference. My psychiatrist is a very old French man. Yeah, that's he, exactly he, what I'm looking for. He speaks at like sub slow podcasts. You know when you slow down a podcast to like half speed? It's sub that in a thick French accent and he often needs to repeat himself. And it's great because he does engage with me and he does speak back, but it forces me to really listen to what he's saying. And I like that. Right. Right. I also I also like feeling judged. I think that's helpful. Yeah. Uh <laughs> I think that's what I'm looking for. Um you know, it's like I don't want to like talk to I mean and this is maybe this is me being short sighted, but like if I'm gonna go and do therapy uh, which I have not done in a very long time. I don't want to talk to somebody who's like my age. You know, I just feel like what the fuck yeah. would what the fuck oh, would no. I be able to? I mean, no. on the other hand, imagine I think, a therapist who's younger than you. No, well, no, I. I'm looking at a list of them right now. On the other hand, I do think. I mean, I feel like if I was able to, I mean, I feel like if somebody came to me and they were like, "I'm having a problem," I think I could actually help them work out their issue. I mean, I'm actually very good at helping people with their problems and very bad at helping myself. With my own problems, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, or maybe not. I mean, I hear you. I hear the incredulous tone that you're. What you you say the same I'll thing? I'll say this. I'll yeah. say every time in therapy, I say I think I would be a very good therapist, and they always tell me you're. I'm very emotional and very self-involved. So like, I I don't know that I would I, be so. I, 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 I might I, be I might be I might be altruistic, and I might try to help people. But at the end of the day, if I'm in a bad mood, I I project that onto people, and that's not a good quality. I of think therapist. you're. I think you're a very. I think you're a very caring person. You have a lot of empathy. You, uh, you know, you want to help. Uh, I, I, I do think that you're a little bit. I think you're, and don't take this the wrong way, but I feel like you're way too self-involved to make a good therapist. I feel 100%. like I feel like you would very much read into a lot of the problems that people bring to you. Like you'd be like, "Well, that reminds me of this thing that I'm dealing with," and then you know mm-hmm. you'd be talking about yourself for forty five. A hundred percent. You know, which is obviously you know I love talking to you. It's one of your great qualities that you can uh, make <laughs> anything about yourself. Um, but <laughs> anyhow, let's talk. Let's get into the real stuff. Okay, enough about my psychotherapy that I'm going to be having. I should just what I should do is I just I should book like appointments with people. Um, just a, a just a wide array of appointments and just check some people out and see how it's going. You know, mm. it's crazy because like I'm just looking at people now on this list. I'm like, oh, I could like have an appointment. Like I could get an appointment like today if I wanted to. You know, I like this Is that person. Something that you want to do? I don't know. She, I like this person. She said uh, it's an 8:15 a.m. appointment. I'm trying to imagine my 8:15 session. I guess there's people that get up super duper early. I mean, I'm up at 8:15, but I definitely am not in a place where I'm ready to like discuss deep, uh, like life stuff. You know what I mean? And do you blame your father for that? I mean, I, I don't really blame my father for much. I mean, uh, I my parents are, you know, wonderful. I mean, they're insane. I mean, of course, our parents are responsible for everything, really, when you think about it. And then on the other hand, they're not responsible for anything. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know. But oh, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to do it at uh, – I would definitely wouldn't want to do it at uh, – what time is it? At uh, 8.15 in the morning. Definitely would not want to do that. You know what I'm saying? Well, Anyhow. listen, I think you should sit with that, but our time here today is over. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm getting it all. Maybe I don't need therapy. Maybe I just need uh, this podcast to happen more frequently. I'm sure Tony would like that, you know? 
You definitely shouldn't. You shouldn't uh, book a therapist if you think they're cute, right? That should not be a criteria because ZocDoc makes it very easy to like look at people and go like, "Oh, they're thinking they're really It has about, helped actually. me with some things and hurt me with others. I feel like it would not be good if I'm like uh, flirting with the therapist. No, it can't be someone so hot that you're flirting with them. But if they're attractive, sometimes that has helped. Yeah, me I just like I'm things. like a I'm like a I'm like a uh, I'm big on like accidental flirting. Like Laura has pointed out that it's embarrassing and uh oh. you know i'm sure it is you know like like you know with a with a waitress or something you know but i'm not doing yeah. it on purpose i just i mean i'm just you're naturally, just so charming I'm just naturally <laughs> very sexual what can i say no i'm just i think i'm just naturally yeah i think i'm like very talkative and and maybe that sometimes reads as flirtation i don't really know this is why i need to talk to a therapist i'm like am yeah. i am i am i projecting uh some kind of sexual you know tension here or whatever i don't know Anyhow, this part you can edit out, um, the whole thing about the flirting. Um, anyhow, okay, enough about my therap- my future therapist. Uh, let's talk about the thing that is giving me the need, is causing the, the need for therapy, which is uh, all of existence. We are, we are, let me look at a calendar. I want to get this right in line. Okay, we are, let's see, one, that's one week. We are less than two weeks away. Now, the October 26th, is a Monday. And I'm dreading October 26th because one thing that I believe in my heart of hearts, they've already sort of said it out loud because that's how they operate. But the thing that I'm waiting for is on, on the on the evening of the 25th or the morning of the 26th, there will be an announcement uh, like there was. I think Trump will want to replicate 2016 as much as humanly possible. And I believe that he will pull out all of the stops to replicate this exact thing that on the on the 26th of October, that is the day that uh, the New York Times published the article that James Comey had or the FBI had opened a new investigation into some uh, emails on Anthony Weiner's laptop, which when I say the words out loud, truly um, just nothing. doesn't sound just just, just nothing just, just does not nothing. sound real at all. But uh, at any rate, I think that Trump is now in a desperate position. The man's losing and losing badly, though. I will say all that means is continue to make him lose by voting like it is not like he will steal it because he will fucking steal it if he can. The, the, the thing that has to be done, I think we all know. And Tony, I know you know this is uh, we have to vote in overwhelming numbers this election. There has to be an overwhelming show of anti-Donald Trump sentiment out there on the on the on the uh, ballots at the polling places uh, and however you vote. Um, But he's losing and I think losing pretty badly as it stands right now. I think that and I've talked to people from a variety of different professions and a variety of different age ranges. And I think we're at a point now where everybody just is like, you know what, even if I even if I voted for Trump, even if I like some of Trump's policies, I'm so tired of Trump. I'm so exhausted by him. I'm so annoyed by him. I'm so over him that I just want him to go away. And you can feel, you can feel, and I, this, to me, is this is a very pleasing feeling. With some presidents, you know, when there's an election, the, you know, it's like they get voted out because people feel like they did a bad job. They didn't like their policies, they didn't, whatever, you know. Like, it wasn't like, they're like, I personally hate this person and want to remove them from my my view. It's more like I think someone else will do a better job. Now, that, of course, is a component of what's happening right now. But I think the bigger component and the one that gives me the most pleasure when I think about is that everybody's sort of sick of 
seeing and hearing Donald Trump, and I think that he can palpably tell that his star power, which is the only thing he actually cares about, that his ability to to get people either angry or excited with the bullshit that he says has kind of come to a conclusion. And we're sort of like, it's sort of like they should have ended this the show a season ago, but they like wanted to eke out one more season and like the main character died. It's actually when Josh Charles, spoiler alert for uh, anybody who might be watching The Good Wife now for whatever reason, Josh Charles gets killed on The Good Wife. I mean, again, I want to say I, I, I gave you a warning here. Uh, and then immediately after Josh Charles gets killed on The Good Wife, I lost all interest in watching The Good Wife. And they did another like three seasons or something. But I think a lot of people were just like, yeah, I'm just not, my heart's not in it anymore. I don't really care. And I feel like that's what's that's happening. COVID? I think what? No, think I think COVID is Josh Charles dying on the good way. Well, it's 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 COVID. It's but it's more like it's more like if it's more like uh, I mean, there, it's not a one to one exactly. It's just that like the show has become uninteresting, and everybody is like ready to change the channel. And I know that like I hope that Trump is feeling the this kind of overwhelming boredom with his shtick. Because that to me is most pleasing when I think about it. Like, it's not that people hate him because he feeds off that shit. It's not that people love him because he feeds off that shit. It's that people are just kind of like, we're it's done. Attention. We're he done likes with attention you. Yes. Do people don't want to give him attention anymore. Right. And so he doesn't know what to do with that. And in order to get more attention, he's tripling down on the things that got him attention in the first place. And those are the things that we're sick of. And I think the proof yes, of that. He's just, making, he's just making it worse for himself, digging a deeper hole in being himself. I think the like, proof of that is that his poll numbers have gone down most significantly during the times when he is a bit visible on television. Like when he's yeah. out speaking, that hurts his poll numbers more than a secret Chinese bank account, more than anything Hunter Biden they cook up, it, more than um, – basically his poll numbers are only affected at this point by if he goes away or if he shows up and they go down when he shows up. And we have another uh, debate tonight and I'm sure he's going to biff this one. Yeah, and I'm really not. I, I kind of was like, you know, I, we're at a point where it, uh, it was, you know, I'm a, obviously a voracious follower of politics and uh, I was like, um, oh, is there is a debate? Like, is there a debate tonight? Like, you know, I'm sort of like, like dr drugs. Drugs help. I would say drugs really help you get through it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, well, you know, I was like, you know, every every couple of days, I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna drink anymore, and then, <clears throat> and then, like, you know, I turn, like, I turn on the news, and I'm like, or whatever, I like read Twitter for a minute. I'm like, yeah, I don't think I'm gonna make it. I don't think I'm gonna make it through the evening without a drink. Uh, I do, yeah, I do think I don't, you know, sure, a bit, but, but my point is, yes, drugs can help. But my point is that I sort of was like. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, I kind of don't even care that there's a debate, you know, like what will happen in this debate? Nothing can happen in this debate that will make certainly me think any differently about the candidates. Uh, I mean, short sure, of, sure, 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 sure. Of, but Trump is going to do something like wheel a manatee out or stab somebody or, you know, set off a fire. I think he's going to, he's going to talk about Hunter Biden is what he's going to do. I think he's, um, he wants to none of that will stick but no i Biden mean they, will this is all they have password right? was maga 2020 and how that's a that's a foreign uh foreign affairs issue and the 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 closing argument of donald trump's campaign is hunter biden is bad and 
Uh, Hunter Jill- Biden did coke off a porn star's ass, and, and, which is very different than my children who do coke or me who fucks porn stars during and, Shark Week. I, yeah, and like and like and like and like that Joe Biden is is a, like a corrupt uh, politician who's like on the take for China and and Ukraine, and it's like you know, I mean, it actually it's weird because it's it so perfectly works as a. I mean, the argument against it is literally Trump's argument. Which is like, you've been in politics for 47 years and what have you done? And it's like, yeah, you don't really like, you don't really like hang around in politics for 47 years if you're like deeply compromised. You know, it just like, I mean, I'm sure there's some people. It it, it speaks to the fact that Biden is stable enough to hang around for 47 years without major, like, I'm not saying I like him, but without major scandal or incident that makes him completely disqualified. Whereas Trump has been around since 2015. And if anything, it's like a it is truly a reality show and like we're at the point where we're like Vanderpump Rules season 7 when they're all cokeheads and unable to function Ooh. and it's like we're done like I, yeah. I think no, America I mean, just right. wants like, to go back to the Great British Bake Off I mean honestly like listen you know if 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 Biden here's the thing if Biden got like um, uh, millions of dollars from fucking Burisma or whatever the claim is which is obviously unfounded and there's zero evidence of it uh, but like, even if it was a hundred percent true, I, I still I'd my preference. It. I'm still have a preference for Biden over Trump, just for just for the, my sanity every day. This is what I'm saying, like to the point, like, and I think you're saying the same thing. It's like you just like I'm kind of like I mean, I don't feel like I care who the person is at this point or what they've done. I mean, you'd have to go. You'd have to go really far afield for me at this point to go like, ooh, I don't know. Like, we should keep Trump, you know? Uh, it's it's like, yeah. I mean, whatever Joe Biden done is like is like something that, you know, it's something that Trump did twice yesterday. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like it's like whatever the worst thing is that Joe Biden has done. Trump is doing it on a regular basis. Anything that Trump accuses someone else of doing or says is going to happen or uh, says someone might do are things that he's either already done, is doing, plans on doing, has done several times, is covering up. Like, it's, you know, so I don't, anything he accuses Biden of, it doesn't stick at this point because he's the boy who cried wolf. Like, yeah. you cried wolf against Hillary Clinton so many times that it doesn't ring as, as strongly when you cry it against Hunter Biden, who isn't even going to be in the White House, aside from lunch with his dad. Like, right. I don't... Uh, in, in any event, I will say, guess what, Tony? Guess what? You have one more show where we have to fucking bitch and moan about this, and then the week after next, we will tell you whether or not this... Whether or not I will survive the next year is what yeah. we're telling you. Yeah. But in any event, this is winding down. This it's, conversation it's, is winding it's, uh, down. I'm listening. We're I'm, almost I, done. I got. I got to tell you. I got to tell you. This is my promise to you, the listener. And maybe you want it. Maybe you don't. I don't really know. And frankly, I don't care. If Trump leaves office, uh, and you know, I mean, there's some reasonable transfer of power, which is going to be a shit show anyhow. But we'll, we'll, you know, we can get through it. Um, you're gonna hear you're gonna hear so little about politics on this podcast, and frankly, I'm gonna have so little to say about politics, and I'm gonna be so happy. Like, like it, you know, things were actually relatively. I mean, they weren't perfect, but we were kind of moving in the right direction for a while, you know. 
and like at least eight years, we were basically even slowly, maybe not perfectly with a lot of, you know, issues, but still generally leaning in the correct direction of, of humanity. You know, we weren't like, Hey, maybe gay marriage isn't cool again. Like it wasn't like that. It was like, we got over that. We're moving on to other things. You know, it's like nothing was perfect, but we were moving in the right direction. When we get back on that track, which I believe we will get back on when Biden and Kamala Harris are, uh, uh, win an election, win the election. And they're surrounded by people who are much smarter and much better at their jobs than anybody who Trump has put into any role. Uh, you know, I just think like, I, I'm not going to be fucking losing my mind every day over politics. I'm just, I just yeah, don't. I mean, listen, the fight doesn't stop on election day. Certainly the day no. that, the elect, that Biden wins is the day that we start canvassing to change his mind and policies about things. However, at least I will sleep at night. At least I will be able to like go to sleep at night and not think like nuclear war is a password of MAGA 2020 guess away. Yeah. Like yeah. at least then I feel like. I know what the work is. It is cut out for me. It is a daily fight, but I know what it is. I know who my opponent is. It's all going, the world at least is going to make some kind of mathematical sense. And at the moment, I feel like we just hit shuffle. If I go off and write an article or edit an article for two hours, when I come back to Twitter, like, it is bedlam. Like, someone's pulled their dick out on Zoom or something, and that daily craziness, unrelated (laughs) to Trump... Yeah. means that the double of Trump, like the on top of that, means it's just like my life is chaos. I'm not saying it was easy before, but the layer of Trump on top of actual problems is just too much. It's a hat on a hat. It's icing on an already iced cake. It is so much that like I feel sick all the time and exhausted. And I'm not saying things will go back to normal or like that the world will not be interesting or fascinating or scary, but it will certainly not be... A situation where every single day I worry that the president of the United States might end the world, which has like been in the cards for too long now. And so I I just I'm ready to move on. I think the whole world is ready to move on. I think we're obviously I think the public's attention has turned to even new villains. I don't think that they find Trump that interesting as even an opponent anymore. Like we used to think he was a fascinating as much as we hated him, we like loved hating him, or at least we were fascinated with hating him and we wanted to fix it. And it was like an itch that we could not stop trying to fix. But I think the world is turning towards being angry at bigger forces, which is a good thing. I think if everybody's mad at Facebook, that's a good thing. Like the public's attention is now, and even politicians' attention is now turning towards some of the systematic problems that brought us Trump. Like, for example, this week, uh, Google is now going through antitrust suits. Uh, And that is, that's a good thing, I think. It would be, yes. I mean, it would be a better thing if it were actually being carried out by people who uh, understand what Google does. 100%, but at least we're talking about it. Five years ago, three years ago, 10 years ago, we were not really, like, even if someone raised the issue of like, hey, maybe one company shouldn't own all information and control who sees what, like, at least we're having some conversation about like the people that make our phones also control all information and data collection and advertising. Like, that's probably not good. And even if the wrong people are having the wrong conversation about it, it, I think it, 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 for me, is a bellwether that like the public has cares about these larger forces more than they do this person cult of personality. And yeah. I think that that's an important step at least towards something. 
Um, yeah, yeah. I but anyway, agree. what do you think about this Google monopoly thing? Well, I think that there are. Um, I think that we it's 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 been a long time coming. I think there should be. I mean, my my feeling is obviously you got you got to knock them down one at a time. Uh, I think that a lot of what Google has done has been extremely positive for consumers and for the internet. And I think that a lot of what Google has done has been extremely destructive. I mean, searching on Google is, I mean, sometimes somewhat nightmarish at this point. I mean, it is very difficult to find to find the things that you're looking for and to not end up in some kind of weird spammy or scammy like ad situation. I think they have tried to kind of eat a bunch of services and they've done it in a very wrongheaded and very bad way. Um, you know, I think sometimes Google does a great job of going like, we can do this better. And I think a lot of times they have made it harder for consumers to get to the thing that they really need and want and harder, certainly for competitors to get a fucking word in edgewise. So I think that, I think on many levels, uh, antitrust on uh, an antitrust case against Google is absolutely warranted and necessary. My question is, and I guess, you know, we'll, when we get to it, hopefully God willing, we will, that the real meat of that, uh, antitrust case will be, under a Biden-Harris um, uh, ticket and presidency. And that will, I think, make it a lot better, uh, a lot easier for us to actually have like the right kind of uh, case brought against them. You know, I mean, I don't know how, I don't know how long it will take for that to pl play out because I do worry that, 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 that certainly conservatives and the people that I heard, the Republican senators that I heard questioning um, questioning Google and Facebook and Apple and Amazon about their practices do not have general consumers' best interests in mind. They have some weird uh, tweaked like right-wing bone to pick that has nothing to do with the actual antitrust laws and what people need to be thinking about when you bring these cases. So I, I hope that, you know, somehow it's wrested out of the hands of, 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 of conservatives who really want to want to like push antitrust laws for reasons that have nothing to do with why antitrust laws were created. Um, but the, but the second point on that, on, on the Google, on Google is that they are one of many. And, and in many ways, Google is, while they have been, they have definitely engaged in anti-competitive practices more often than not, not always, but more often than not, and certainly compared to many of their, uh, you know, other large um, tech companies, they have not wildly gone like to a place where I feel like uh, that they've are like uh, straight abusive to consumers, you know, and to users. And I think that that when you when you start to talk about antitrust, you have to start to talk about uh, Facebook. And you've got to talk about Amazon and you've got to talk about, I mean, to some degree, Apple, I think there are places where it's clear to me that antitrust makes sense for Apple. There are a lot of places that I think like they're going to keep doing business as usual. But like, I guess what I, I guess my, my feeling is Google alone barely scratches the surface. Like we're not, this is not a day, you know, when Mike, when the Microsoft antitrust case was brought it was at a time when there really weren't a lot of monolithic tech technology companies and almost none doing what Microsoft was doing, like creating a platform and an operating system and all of these other services that are connected to it and all these other apps that are connected to it uh, in, in sort of like trying to control people's, you know, sort of uh, uh, optionality there. There really were very few players in that space. But now when you talk about antitrust and you talk about technology, there are massive amounts of 
uh, of companies. Certainly there are a handful of very large companies that control very different spaces and they need to be regulated and they need to be looked at. And so solving, like solving, like giving, you know, doing the antitrust case against Google in some ways only helps a lot of their competition who are also massive monopolies, you know, or duopolies or quadopolies or whatever we want to call them. But, you know, breaking up certain parts of Google's business will be good for Apple and Facebook, but Apple and Facebook also need to have parts of their business broken up. And And I would argue Facebook's entire business needs to just start being chopped up and each product needs to be its own company. Well, I mean, I, I think there's parts of it that make sense and there's parts of it that don't. I mean, I, you know, again, Facebook is one of those things I also feel that, you know, maybe it won't be true for the hardcore QN and right wing people who are like in Facebook groups right now. I do think, um, you know, I do think that there will be a great kind of drawing away from a lot of social media by people following the Trump presidency. I mean, this is my my hope and my wish um, that there will be uh, a you know, we're going to get to a point where people are going to go, you know what? I felt very fired up about this and felt like I needed to be online a lot while um, this president was kind of ravaging our, ravaging our nation. But now that things have calmed down a little bit, I think there's going to be kind of a great sort of distancing for a lot of people from social media. And so I think you're going to see natural, um, uh, a kind of natural entropy happen on certain parts of those businesses I believe this, you know, I think some people will go deeper into it. Those people are going to be in, I think maybe in smaller numbers, but, but, um, uh, hold on. So, but yeah, so I think that like, yeah, there are a lot of, I mean, Google, it's good that we're going and looking at the practices of these companies and saying, we haven't done shit about this for 20 fucking years and they have grown completely wild and out of control. They have, I mean, you know, if, if you've ever watched an invasive, um, species of plant take over a garden or a yard, you know, that is what these companies have done. And, and, and sometimes the invasive species is beautiful. Sometimes it's a, a raspberry bush, which, you know, or a wineberry bush, which are very invasive, but also produce like pretty tasty berries, but like, you may not want them on your front lawn, you know? And I think like, by the way, I'm thinking about this because I do have an overgrowth of wine berries on one side of my house <laughs> that I'm dealing with. Uh, but but no, but it is like it's just it's just we have we have not gone in there and ever chopped it out. We've never done any cleanup. We've never said, hold on a second. Uh, now face now uh, Google is doing um, air air air. Uh, you know they're doing airline uh, sales. You know they're doing not airline sales. They're doing you know ticket travel. air. Yeah, travel. They're doing like ticket sales like for travel. I mean. There's just all these things where nobody ever stopped and went, hold on a second, guys. You, you already have search. You already have this. You already have that. Like, you already have Android, which is X the amount percentage of- The people who control of, all video on the internet that isn't prestige like Netflix should probably should yeah. also control email, shouldn't also control travel, right, should right. also control no. search, should I mean, also the, control the, photos. Just, just on some like, of the basics, some of the, on some of the basics, like YouTube- should not be a part of Google. No, it's I mean, insane that I mean, it is. it's 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 there's no fundamental reason. I understand they bought them when it was a much smaller company and they weren't really sure where where they were going to go, but like YouTube is a standalone social network that should have little to no interaction besides, you know, how they rank for search in their search algorithm. I'm sure it's favored, it is undoubtedly favored by Google. Um I mean, having know, the deep pockets of Google 
is the reason that it crushed its competitors like Vimeo that, listen, was YouTube doing well when they purchased it? Yes. But there was also competition for YouTube until Google was like, mm, here's a blank check. We want to own video for the entire internet. And then that worked. And that's not really how you should succeed. That's not the argument of why capitalism is good. You know? Right. right. Yeah. So I think, um, so I think it, yeah, basically the, uh, I think it's a great start to start to have the conversation, to begin the conversation about antitrust. But it's not enough to just say, let's go after Google. It has to be a holistic thing. It has to be all of these companies that get looked at. It has to be Apple's uh, store, App Store uh, practices. It has to be Amazon's many, many uh, uh, you know, questionable business practices and comp- anti-competitive practices. Uh, and 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 you know employee rights practice employees rights practices it has to be Facebook's um, uh, just absolute sort of you know eating of the entire social media landscape uh, buying up you know apps that might compete with them you know forcing users into you know fucked up tracking and using services that they really have no intention of of, of using if they don't want to be a Facebook customer but end up doing it anyhow you know it's like there's these should Amazon be... and Facebook are by far the most egregious of the bad actors of the bunch we're talking about here I, I, it's I would crazy say that we're yeah. targeting Google because Google and Apple I don't think they're good for the world but I do think that of the actors they're by far the least malicious yeah i think that um you know good and bad are it's hard to say like you know where you know if if that to me is how i would think about these you know there's good and bad in all of them i mean i see i guess but i think the societal impact of like a mind control machine that gives its services to the highest bidder and um a company that literally wants to swallow all of American retail and is actively doing it. Those things to me seem like more pressing matters than like YouTube is pretty shitty and exploits creators or like the app store is like ripping off devs. Those are real problems that we need to to tackle. But I feel like there's a five alarm fire happening at Amazon and Facebook's end of the court. And I feel like we're not going after them because they're so beyond reproach power wise. Right. Well, I mean, I think we're going to, I mean, we have to, I mean, if, if this is, if you could go after, if you can go after Google, um, then you have to be able to go after these other companies. And, and I do think that Google is in some ways the easiest target because their reach is so broad. Um, and they have, you know, there's, there's so much that you can look at and go, I mean, the YouTube one's a great example, right? Uh, hold on a second. Um, you know, you guys have search. You own search. So now all of a sudden, not only do you own search, but you own uh, this huge video network, right? And oh, wait a second. You're also doing – you're pulling Wikipedia content onto your search pages. You're pulling uh, – uh, uh, you know, what's the what's the service? The uh, the reviews. Yelp. You're pulling Yelp. Yelp content into your – you know, for restaurant reviews. Like, you know – You it's, also it's, own the default email service for the whole internet. Like, yeah, right. You own, right. You own the default email service. You, uh, you know, have a. I would imagine their their Hangouts, you know, the chat app position is pretty large. Though I think they've got a lot of competition there, and pretty You're healthy the competition. Only operating system outside of the specific phones that Apple sells that other manufacturers can use. Like you're yeah. the only one. Okay. Yeah. It's a lot. That's a lot to own. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think um, I think that there's definitely, uh, 
Yeah. I mean, look, there's, it's easy to go after them. It makes a lot of sense. I think that there's a ton of stuff to say about every other one of these companies, and, and I look forward to somebody getting to it. I mean, we really have to, we really have to get to a place where um, we, we make some real rules about what people, what companies can and can't do, how big they can and can't get, uh, and where there is room for competition or, or where you're drowning out competition. Because I think it's like, it, it, it is a problem. I mean, you go, well, hey, Amazon, I get great prices on stuff and I get fast delivery. And it's like, that is true. And it is great in many cases. But there's stuff that offsets your the goods that you're getting that if you really look at it, you might have a different opinion. You know, you might say, well, I guess that's a pretty big trade-off uh, for what I'm getting. And maybe like, I don't, maybe I don't need like two day delivery on every single thing because like it creates a labor environment that's really bad, you know, like there's all these. So at some point you, we've got to start to, to actually create some regulations so we can, uh, I mean, hopefully at the end of the day, create a better product and a better choice for consumers and, and get these companies to actually operate in a way that feels, um, you know, it's never going to be completely no no major corporation that makes billions and billions of dollars is ever going to have like a completely ethical form of operation. But there can be more ethical and more fair, and I think that's like kind of where we need to work towards at this point. So there's a great piece on input this week by Samuel Polay about how contactless payments have caught on in some industries, but other industries like grocery stores have really resisted stuff like Apple Pay or Android Pay or Samsung Pay. Um, but, you know, with a global pandemic that can live on phone screens for up to 30 days, uh, most people don't want to be messing with credit cards and, and keypads and stuff. It's just it's, it's more sanitary and safer and faster and easier and more secure to use a contactless payment solution. Um, but what's interesting to me is that, like, the reason that these stores held out is that grocery stores know that people stay – they're loyal. Like, that's why they have loyalty cards. Like, grocery stores know that if you know that the food you like is at this store that's in your neighborhood and it's affordable, you don't usually go shopping for other options. There's very few, like, extreme couponers going from grocery store to grocery store. Um, and – so they wanted to create their own payment solutions that they could then like try to own payments everywhere. Um, they overplayed their hand because most people just kept using cash at that point. Mm. Um, but it's interesting to me because like we don't normally think about some of these industries as tech industries, right? Like nobody thinks of Kroger as like a tech company, but <laughs> yeah, they're like well positioned like within a market that does relate in some capacity to technology and shipping. So it's, it's interesting because in another universe where COVID-19 didn't happen, we might see Walmart pay actually catch on because that would be something useful to the people shopping at Walmart that like, you know, did, there was no sense of urgency so they could like trickle into using it and slowly understand why they should have multiple content like, list payment solutions or like yeah. Kroger pay could have actually happened if they gave like some kind of discount and slowly got people on board. But now with the pandemic, like it's a pressing issue and people just want it fixed. Um, but I think it's interesting. Like I, I never knew that contactless payment was like more secure either. I always thought it was kind of less secure cause it's on my phone. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, but I feel like I've seen a lot of technology kind of, I mean, remember, like, 
I mean, grocery stores are, are they, there is kind of like a link with grocery stores and technology. I mean, the first, obviously, like the first like self-checkout I ever saw was at a grocery store, you know? Yeah. And, and or, actually, or those little guns you carry around the store with you. Well, yeah. You, well, I was going to say, like, they're at the, um, what is the chain? It's not shop, stop right? Shop. Stop and shop. Has, we went in one day. They also have the stop and shop robot, which is completely insane and doesn't make any I sense. I love the robot. But, but, um, but we went in one day and, and Laura's like, oh, yeah, like they have these, like you get these guns and you like carry it around and you basically just like, you know, you say what you're getting as you throw it in the cart. And I was like, oh, that's like a really good idea and a really interesting technology. So I think there is, uh, I mean, it makes sense to me. There is a kind of, um, you know, I think that there's a lot through line there. And I think at, at this moment in particular, we're, you've got to start to see, we're going to start to see, um, a lot of innovation around, around things having to do with like basics. Like, I feel like we've seen a lot of it already happen, you know, uh, like how you, you know, how you get your groceries, how you get food, how you deal with going to the doctor. Like, I think there's a lot of things that are like, Hey, this used to be easy and simple and make a lot of sense. And now that we're living in this very strange way, we've had to rethink it. Um, and that's been good. I think for the most part in many ways, maybe I'm wrong though. I don't know. I think Am it's I good. I think it's good that we rethink some of this stuff because, for example, I didn't know that contactless payment was more secure. But now that I understand the mechanics of why it's more secure, because it generates individual credit card numbers every time you use your debit or credit card, um, and then like it's gone at that point after it's been used for the specified cleared amount. Um, that's super. That's just a really great idea. But I. I actually also kind of hope that some companies who are incentivized to make this the best and the most safe experience for their customers are probably better off making contactless payment solutions, for example, than Amazon who wants to like own a scan of your handprint in order to get you to pay at Amazon Go stores where you like wave your hand over a thing and that's how you pay. Like, actually, I don't think Amazon needs a scan of my handprint to solve this problem. And I don't think right. that they need yeah. to track everything I do in their store from the moment that I... Like step in and where, how long I spend looking at carrots. Like I don't think they need that information, and I think it's kind of malicious to collect it and identify it with some like biometric scanner. Like that all just seems, I don't know. It seems in bad faith to be like, well, it's just for shopping for grocery. Like we know it isn't. Yeah. Um, whereas a Kroger solution or like Walmart or like Heb or like Food Town, those companies. It's generally about the food and the selling of the product for now. And I would rather that. I don't know. I would rather that. But it, I think it's reassuring to know that, like, these decisions society-wide aren't solely going to be made by Silicon Valley. In this instance, it sort of ended up being. But I think it gives a little insight to, like, other areas of our economy having some daylight between the, like, VC capital tech innovation or like big four tech innovation yeah um yeah no well, i i agree it's interesting it's very it's i yeah i also don't want to i don't have a desire to scan my my palm anywhere to be honest that's a little no. it's a little book of revelations for my taste you know it's a little minority or <laughs> your retinas like yeah. i'm a little good on that yeah um <laughs> i agree well, in other retail stories that I thought was interesting this week, um, we also have on the site a story from Chris Stokel Walker about how influencers are now purchasing used shopping bags and like boxes and packaging from designers so they can pretend that they're rich enough to go on shopping sprees. And then they like store them and reuse them again. And whenever the stores change the bags, they like run out and buy new shopping yeah. bags to pretend. Yeah. It's it's a depressing state of affairs that people are well, paying like $20 for a 
orange Hermes back. I find it. I find it very depressing. But you know, they say um, fake it till you make it, uh, and you know, I'm inclined to uh, believe them uh, since this is what people are doing. No, I mean it's definitely. Um, yeah, it's definitely very like. I mean, I understand the point. It's dystopian it, to purchase rich people's garbage, then take yeah. a picture of it, and then throw it out or, like, put their garbage away and be like, I'm just like the rich people because I have rich people right. garbage. The, the like, thing, that's so weird. The thing that I feel most about it when I think about it is the kind of how sort of sad it is. Like, that, like, I, I, well, first off, I'm sad about two things. One, I'm sad that, like, there's this concept of, of what a, a, a quote-unquote an influencer is and what their life should look like. And you have to, like, these people have to, like, perform this version of it um, where they're, like, I'm shopping and I'm spending a lot of money and I'm rich and I get all the nice things in life. And, like, and then other people are, like, wow, I like that and I want that to be me. And let me, like, like hit the little like button and tell you how much I think it's cool that you're buying things, which is, like, that's a sad thing. But then I also feel, like, a sadness for the people themselves because it's, like, you're job is to be like look at my life it's so cool and like this isn't even i i know to greater and lesser degrees most influencers project a kind of version of their life that isn't really authentic but this is like it just seems so to me it's even a step beyond when they purchase sets for a day and do some photo shoots like what they'll do is they'll purchase a private jet set buy a right. bunch of clothes change clothes every 10 minutes and take a bunch of pictures and then over the course of two years pretend they're going on and off a private jet to me that's pathetic and kind of sad but i understand at least you don't have access to this space you're trying to create a narrative i it, it, uh, to me that's less weird than being like purchasing old disposable shopping bags and then setting them up and then pretending that the clothes you bought used are new or like like all of it's sad to me but somehow i get i guess i understand the fantasy aspect of like photoshopping yourself onto a beach i sort of get that a little more this to me for some reason something about it being trash or something about it just being a shopping bag that's empty like it's the image of capitalism without even getting the stuff and you still spent money on it for some reason to me it's just like a step beyond and i i i worry that like i mean at some point right like it's gonna make sense for a company to have an entire wardrobe um, private jet set, all of this stuff, and you pay them like ten grand, and then for the year you can just like come in in little sessions, take pictures of your fake life, post it on social, and then go home to your regular job until you like make it. You know what I mean? Right. And that's yeah. so depressing. To it's me. really, it's really a bummer. I mean, that's the thing. It's just yeah. So so I mean, I think you know, I I would I would love to. I mean, I understand this is just like an extension of celebrity and reality tv and that you know what you see is not real um and so it's really a minor thing in the grand scheme <clears throat> excuse me it's really a minor thing in the grand scheme uh of the e existence but i do think it to me it's interesting because the conversation really should be more about and as i think about like you know zelda getting older and starting to like see social media i mean hopefully i hope by the time she's like a teenager social media has evolved like to something that she's not interested in um and you know like it we're not still talking about like instagram influencers 
which I, I think is very possible. But I like, actually think social media with Gen Z and probably whatever her generation will be called, Gen question mark or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think the way that it becomes less dangerous is that they're just shit posting whatever that sticks and it doesn't really mean anything about them. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think TikTok is a reflection of whether or not you're good at your job or you're a functional person. It's just like whatever silly dance got likes and like. You know, yeah. you do have to be conscious of that. You can't just be broadcasting what your bedroom looks like if you're underage and stuff like that. But I do think it's probably better that they like shit post memes and none of them take it seriously than what we were doing, which was like millennials truly believe that whatever they posted on the internet was more true than the reality of their lives. And yeah. so they were trying to create these fake selves that with different flaws, not even like that they were flawless. They just had different aspirational flaws, you know? And I think like aspiring to someone else's flaws is, is probably more like being so wealthy and, and and such a heavy consumer that you're using a private jet to the detriment of your personal finances or the environment, like to aspire to that more than like getting attention for posting random memes. Like I, I kind of think the unhinged meme of it all, the chaos of that is probably better than like, what we were doing. So I actually do think there's probably a reason to worry a little less about social media with younger generations. Yeah. Because it's not super young people doing this, right? Like it's probably 27 year old girls who are like, I thought I'd be an Instagram influencer by now who are buying fake shopping bags. Right. No, I mean, yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah. I mean, I do think that it's going to go somewhere else. I just think, I, I mean, I would just say that this story is, I, I think if you get to the point where you're like pretending that you went shopping, you know, you might want to reevaluate if the influencer thing is, I guess it's a small component of the overall influencer bullshit, but I don't know. To me, what's interesting is when people are real and like I relate to them on a real level. What isn't interesting to me is like project, like this projection of a personality that doesn't exist. So, you know, I guess that it, it's unappealing to me. Of course, I'm old, you know, very old, so very old. Uh, as you know, I had a birthday this week, so I'm even older than I was uh the last time we talked on the podcast you know so maybe i just you know i'm just an old person now I'm no i was gonna say i think that the, that it's a misguided idea of why people would be interested in you as an influencer some influencers are super rich but that's not why people follow them because i know a i know a bunch of super wealthy manhattanites who hang out with influencers and have all the stuff and go on the trips but that they don't get the engagement probably because it either has to do with a level of you're so attractive, so unbelievably attractive, even if it's through editing that, that people want to look at you or you are so authentic or there's some quality about you that that creates a parasocial relationship that people feel like they don't get elsewhere. So you see those people break through, but it doesn't have to do with their like shopping bags in the background. Like it, to me, that's a millennial miss. That was a millennial misfire of like trying to solve the problem of like why some people become influential celebrities and others don't like that's right. not the x factor that you thought it was so it feels like a dead end to me but it's weird because like you know it, it's insightful of what our generation valued and what our economic status was like that yeah you know our generation is self-obsessed and like obsessed with like their per- the world's perception of them and they live in a place with such huge wealth and a time with such huge wealth disparity that th- this is the result i kind of wonder what it will be for the next generation like i don't think we'll keep hopefully we won't keep going in that direction but yeah well i event. do th- i do think i do think social media i mean if you look at tiktok well i mean 
the one thing I've noticed about TikTok is like if you spend one second extra on something, because once I started digging into it, which is what I was getting to, is like when I started to look for videos that I things I thought I wanted to see, like topics I wanted to explore. And then I started to like go through what it was serving me after that. It got really interesting. And there's some like truly talented people uh, doing these like weird little movies and these like songs and like weird art stuff. And some of it's just like very, very inventive and I don't think would exist on any other platform. It isn't, doesn't, doesn't feel like YouTube. It doesn't feel like, you know, Instagram. It doesn't feel like blogging. It doesn't, it's, it's just like a, its own thing. It doesn't feel like Snapchat. It's its own thing. And I think that, so I think that there is like an emerging new kind of um, uh, performance in social media that is actually like feels to me more authentic and frankly is just more interesting than trying to be like, look how rich I am or look how beautiful I am. Like I think a lot of it is actually like I have a weird story I want to tell or I have this weird talent or there's this thing, I have an idea for something and it's like executing on a pretty complex idea, you know? And so I think that um, that gives me a little bit of hope. It's funny, but like, I think partially because of the Trump stuff, I would spend a lot more, I spent a lot more time looking at, at TikTok. And I mean, in some ways he really popularized TikTok for a lot of people, I think. And like, I feel like there's, uh, you know, I, I feel like there's there's something emerging there that that is fresher and newer and better than what is what has previously uh, happened in social media. But I think we're still really early in the game to 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 know. You know, mm -hmm. does that make sense? Yeah. All right. What else happened this week? Anything else that we need to talk about? Nah. Let's get out of here. It really was not a busy week. I mean, even Trump kind of again disappointed. Really flop era. <laughs> guys, a flop. He's in his flop uh, era. Yeah. Um, all right. Should we do nice things? Nice things. Okay. Go ahead. You start. My husband is the kind of man who would enjoy something like an Emily in Paris, which mm -hmm. I am not the kind of man built to enjoy. Contrary to what you may believe, um, I need a little dirt in my sandwich. So my like ladies dressed in cool clothing, traveling the world, have to like be fighting about murder or something. Like they have to be, you know, throwing wine in each other's faces about shit that happened 15 years ago for me to like get interested. I'm not interested in like a nice girl goes to France and bumps into a baguette and they fall in love. Like that's not my show. But that's the kind of thing John likes to watch. And so mm -hmm. we struggle to find things in the middle ground. Not all the time, but when we run out of the shows we've agreed on, finding a new show is a little bit of a hop, skip, and a jump. So he wants to watch Emily in Paris. I'm not having it. So I've started going to bed early and he could watch Emily in Paris. But in the meantime, we're trying to find things to fill the slots because we're in kind of a dead zone for TV. And so what did we watch? We watched Unsolved Mysteries, which I had watched the first episode of the reboot and said, mm, oh, yeah, not juicy enough for me. I'm not into it. I walked away. Mm -hmm. John continued to watch. And so... He was like, can we watch one? I said, sure. You know what? I am a little stoned. I'll play Hades. You can solve a mystery. Sounds like a great couple's activity. We threw on one episode that is so fascinating. I need everyone to go watch it. There's an episode. And it's like vaguely about the, the I think it was, the, I, I'm, you know, again, I was stoned. It's about the Norwegian CIA or something. But it's about a woman who was killed in a locked hotel room with a single well, shot to the head. Oh, I haven't seen this episode. And I think I might have just started this episode because we watched a bunch of it at the beginning. 
Okay, so they she shot, she ostensibly shot herself in the head, although that doesn't make any sense for the positioning and everything. Um, in a locked hotel room, uh, but there's evidence there's there's no, she has no identity they can't find a wallet they can't find her label the cl- labels on her clothing had been cut or scratched off um like her fingerprints had been cleaned out of every database so it's clearly some kind of intelligence thing but how did they lock a hotel room's multiple locks before they left and like the gun they know it's an intelligence thing and that it wasn't just a suicide because the gun has the serial number filed off and was placed too delicately in her hand like when you shoot yourself in the head you don't like slowly drift onto the bed and like your hand (laughs) falls perfectly over your heart like it clearly was an operation but it's maybe too clean and that's what like like tipped the hand and they have no idea who this woman is and so the whole episode they raise the way that they're going to solve the problem and then when they look into it there's no way to solve it and of course it's unsolved mysteries right like they're not going to solve it that's not that's you're correct. not getting a solution yes so it felt like edging for an hour without like finishing oh, and boy. i was just well, like well one of the things that 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 you kind of realize after you know as you get to the end of the first episode because you're like oh wow like what the fuck happened here? Like this is crazy. And you're like, "Oh, no, they don't know. They're not going to fucking tell <laughs> yes. me. I'm going to I'm going to end this the episode's going to end. You're going to be like, "Uh, oh, yeah, so now I've got to solve the mystery." So is that then I'm on, on I'm on Reddit looking oh, yeah. at clues and comparing oh, yeah. theories and timelines and I hate it and yet I love it. It's so oh, yeah. good. And it yeah. was so juicy. Everyone please go watch this one episode. I don't know if the rest of the series is good cuz I haven't seen most of it, but this one episode was so fucking juicy. I I ugh, the great great work so that's my nice thing uh well that's that's a lot that's a lot um okay well my nice thing is i we haven't talked about this but i think we talked about previous to me doing it um i went to a a japanese woodworking class a five-day intensive where it was just me and four other sorry three other students learning how I mean, it was an interesting thing because a lot of it was just about like, okay, you've got a chisel, right? It's just a key. I mean, we basically only use like a saw and a chisel for the stuff that we did. And it's like, these are key, um, you know, elements of, of woodworking, Japanese woodworking. And we spent like a day, a solid day just on like the chisel, like how the chisel, I mean, I knew how to use the chisel somewhat, but there's a ton of like intricacies then it's like here's how you set up a japanese chisel like you don't just use it out of the box which i didn't know because i'm a dummy you know and it was like a whole day thing of like setting up the chisel and understanding how it works and not even doing anything with it uh and i have to say it was like there was like partially a very meditative thing i mean we spent it was literally like a 9 a.m to 6 p.m thing and i was like on my feet doing something that had nothing to do with the internet it had nothing to do with work. It had nothing to do with like, it was very much about me and the wood. No, you know, and the tools. And like, I've been getting more and more into woodworking and trying to understand it. And this this was like, oh yeah, it ostensibly was about Japanese joinery, which is like how you put two pieces of wood together, which is kind of the fundamental of building things, obviously. And um, I just found it, it was really, one thing that was interesting, I mean, a lot of it was, I was like, okay, can we just do something now? Cause you know, I'm impatient. But when we got to the doing part, um, you know, I could, I really can immerse myself in that kind of work and feel like the hours just like 
go away. They just float by, you know? And it was interesting because I obviously spend my days working with editors and talking about the news and talking about websites. And, you know, it's like, it was just a very interesting break from the norm. And also it was, um, you know, a break from like life. Like it was a break from what I do daily, you know, but it was also a break from just like any type of life that I, that I'm familiar with. And I, and it was, and I learned a lot and it was really fascinating and comforting and, and, and meditative, which I've already said, but uh, yeah. So I guess that's my nice thing, which is not really a specific, it's, it's that, it's that class, but it's also just this more specific feeling of, um, you know, uh, just creating and focusing on something that isn't the internet or my phone or whatever and working through that and working through something that you can like that you that has like a can have a final state and has like physicality versus the the kind of the virtualness of everything that we do especially now and it was just very uh it felt very good I mean, I was ready to be done when we were done. I was ready to get back to like my my phone. You know, every day at six, I was like, can't wait to get home and like get online and see what's going on. But it just was also just a really, really good break from like, uh, I don't know, like normal life. And 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 you know, I feel like I know more now about how to use a chisel than I ever have, and that's great for me. Maybe yeah. not for maybe not for the wood though. Well, I'm very proud of you, and I can't Thank wait you. to see what this results in. If it results it's, in some kind of Trojan horse, like well, sculpture. I built I built a table before I went to the class. I built a work a workbench. Actually, you finished it. I I, I have basically finished it. I mean, it's it's upright. It stands. <laughs> it needs to be. It needs some planing. It needs a little bit of. It needs to be finished. Like it needs some sanding and some planing and some a couple touch ups here and there. It is essentially done and functional, and it works. And it's you know in- incredible because I did it. Um, but now I know a lot more about what I did wrong with it and how to do it better the next time. And that's that's really exciting because now I feel like I'm equipped to – I mean the class was n- not nearly enough of what I need. I need to do a lot more. But I feel really equipped to go and build something or fix something or just you know f- fuck around with the craft itself. Uh, I think that I feel like a lot more confident now in my ability to like actually do it and do it well. Through failure, we gain wisdom because life is a roguelike. Wow. We didn't even talk about Quibi. Speaking of failure, I mean, I just realized (laughs) we did not talk about Quibi. I mean, we kind of say we we, we called it. We called it. We called it. We've been, I got to say all of our Quibi reporting about how they were like um, fucking around like with these weird union loopholes and like basically um, undercutting pain people. Uh, and also your exploration of the Quibi uh, subreddit, which only had when you wrote it, like had 768 members who and all think, hated Quibi. <laughs> yeah. And I think and I think and I think today I looked at it, it had like 905 members. So it you know kind of blew up, actually. But like all of our all of our Quibi content really is uh, Quibi content. That's with a Q is paying dividends right now. And, and I'm happy about it. But yeah, Quibi. I mean, what's there to say? Everybody thought it sucked and nobody thought it would succeed. And it lived up to everybody's expectations, you know? <laughs> So well, on that it. note, please vote straight down ballot. Vote early. Vote often. Yeah. Uh, well, we're going to be on again before the voting sure, takes place. So we'll we be, won't, we're going to we remind early, you. Early voting has started for some people, and it yeah, will start vote. in New York before our next 
um, podcast. So I'm encouraging you to go to early voting because you'll cut the line. Think of it as a fast pass. Um, yeah. Vote straight down the ballot for um, the blue. But if you're in New York, vote for the Working Families Party. They could use the funding and it still goes towards the Democrats. Let's and let's just down ballot Democrats. Let's not fool around, okay? No, vote for the Working Families Party. But down vote for ballot, the Democratic down ballot, candidates. Whatever. Vote for the Democrats. That's all I'm but, saying. But please also make a plan of action for after the election day for a cause you want to be committed to as fired up as you are now because um, you will – feel less fired up if we win or if we lose but you should have a plan of action of somewhere how you're going to get involved so please do that in any totally. event goodbye have a good week a good goodbye and goodbye yes oh my god yes Well, that is our show for this week. We'll be back next week with more tomorrow. And as always, I wish you and your family the very best. Though I've just been told that your family was taken out in a bizarre hit in a hotel room. And the episode ends without any explanation.